I've never touched any of the recipes. What you get in our menu is the essence of Galaguetza. Because I know that once you go to Oaxaca, you're going to miss the food. And then go to the restaurant and relive those moments. And our goal is to transport people there. So just cook from your heart and like show us what your family wants to show the world. Welcome to the Meals That Made Me from First We Feast. I'm Adam Richmond, your host and resident gastronaut. The meals that we make, enjoy, and share are the heart of who we are. In this series, you'll hear from 10 guests across the culinary world sharing funny, illuminating, and touching stories prompted by their most meaningful food memories. And maybe you'll even be inspired to make a few memorable meals of your own. So let's dive in. With me today is Bricia Lopez. She is a restaurateur, co-owner of the very well-known Oaxacan restaurant, Galaguetza, author of the first Oaxacan cookbook developed by a native of the region. Known as the Oaxacan princess by the beloved food writer and explorer Jonathan Gold, who called her sweet Bricia cocktail one of Los Angeles' essential cocktails, she was chosen one of L.A.'s Best of L.A. in their annual People issue. She's been named by Zagat, one of 16 power players in L.A.'s dining and drinking scene, as one of L.A.'s 30 under 30 by Zagat. Bricia is a social activist that has been invited to the White House to participate in discussions with President Obama on immigration and economic issues, as well as having been invited to meet with Mexico's president to speak on young immigrant issues. Welcome. Bricia Lopez. Thank you. All right. Bricia, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. I know how busy you are. You are speaking to us from your Mezcal Mole headquarters <laughs> somewhere hidden in the city of, of the Angels. So how did you come to name the restaurant Gelaguetza? It was a name that just my dad chose. Um, you know, everything that my dad did in retrospect was genius in hindsight, you know, but when you put yourself in his shoes, I think he just did stuff as he went. He never really had a plan when he opened the restaurant and called it Galegetza. He just chose it because it was the most iconic Oaxacan festival there is. And it's the most iconic cultural festival there is in all of Mexico. It, it really is the essence of what Oaxacan culture is, the essence of what Oaxacan soul is. It celebrated the last two Mondays of July and it is really the time when all of the towns surrounding the city travel to the city and showcase their culture and their love for their inner, inner minor country, right? And inner minor country is just Oaxaca, and even though it's part of a larger country, Mexico, mm -hmm. but inner mine, our whole country is Oaxaca. And they show their love for it through their dance, through their food. Every region goes in the stage and dances, and at the end of the dance, they throw the food that they're known for. They can throw mezcal, clayudas, pan, chapulines. At the end of the flor de piña dance, which is the only stylized choreography, and they dance with a pineapple on their shoulder. And at the end, these women throw the whole ass pineapple into the audiences. <laughs> you know, so imagine at the end, you're like you're done. You, everything has been thrown at you, mezcal, you're drunk, and all of a sudden, like, bam, like a pineapple, you know, hits you in the face. And you, and it's, and it's Oaxaca, you can't sue anyone there. <laughs> but I think that that's, that's the thing, and I, I think a lot of people don't realize how much 
of the Mexican food that, you know, maybe in America we just sort of lump into capital M Mexican without sort of breaking up uh, the different regions, the different, like, and then, you know, Oaxaca has their cheese, the tlayucas that you talked about, um, the avocado leaf and different flavors that I think most people mm-hmm. are not really accustomed to. And because uh, I want to get into the questions of it, but let's just off the rip. And I watched a Family Guy episode where uh, the doctor gets on the phone and he's like, stop saying you want to make mole for dinner. Chocolate goes in dessert, not on the dinner table. People don't think about mole having sesame, almonds, allspice, different types of ancho chile. I don't think people are aware that there's seven different kinds, negro, verde, coloradito. Uh, Isn't there one mancha manteles, the the tablecloth stainer? Mm -hmm. Uh, Chichillo, um, what am I missing? Amarillo, verde, rojo. Coloradito. Right. And like this episode that you say, like Family Guy, I didn't see it, but it would would trigger me like, stop. Yes, Mole is seasoned with chocolate. Yes. Like bar like like barbecue sauce is seasoned with honey, but we don't call barbecue sauce a honey sauce. It's seasoned with chocolate. Right. Right? But it's not a ma- it's seasoned with chocolate and salt. It that's where they find it it's balanced, it's umami, it's perfection. I I I dislike people referring it to because it's it's mole. It's mole and it's a thing of its own. It, you know, it's got over a dozen ingredients. And at the end, we throw in some chocolate and some salt to season it for sweetness, much like you do many other recipes. Uh, but again, you don't call a barbecue sauce a honey sauce or like, oh my gosh, you know, it's barbecue and it's just mole. Right. And that's what I mean is that you have ancho chilies, lime, oregano, cumin. I know that I've seen videos where you've made yours and there's chicken stock and tomato uh, paste and um, guajillo chilies and ancho chilies and there's all these different plays, uh, you know, onions. So it's it's Aromatics, a very yeah. complex sauce, and I think that people focus on chocolate because it's maybe one of the only savory uses of what they think of as chocolate. Fair, but I always try for people that are apprehensive to say, well, if you've had an Indian curry or a Thai curry, that there's levels of complexity to that mm-hmm. curry. You can't just say, oh, this is just a coconut curry or this is just a lime curry. Oh, there's man. so many. Th- I had this white curry in Portland at Eam. It was so fire. I had this white coconut curry. It was the coconut curry is a white curry mm-hmm. with um, braced short rib inside. Oh my God, I still think about that. It was so good. So you come from a long line of your father or grandfather actually were mezcal craftsmen on their own, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, every, for my dad's side, mm-hmm. I would say, I don't know how many generations, as far as I know, have made mezcal. We are from, half of me comes from the town of Matatlan, which is right next to Lord Mitla. Of course. And when you drive into Matatlan, there's a huge sign that says, Bienvenidos a Matatlan, la capital mundial del mezcal, which means is the world capital of mezcal. World capital of mezcal, yeah. Then there's a lot of beef in between towns saying like, how do you, you know, why did you make that your thing? And no, mezcal was here, mezcal was born, you know, same politics everywhere. But my dad is from Matatlan. And if you are of Matatlan descent, there's a high probability that your family also has made mezcal for generations. Well, speaking of your dad, you come here at 10. Dad's already here and he's selling food on the streets of LA. And... All right, now again, you never know what's fact or fiction. He was paying off like local street gangs for protection. Fact? 100%. When he was a street vendor, fact. 
fact. Wow. Facts. He was a street vendor on the corner of 8th Street in Normandy. And he would sell clayudas in the street prepared. And some cholos came over and were like, yo, what are you doing? The streets belong to us. And he's like, well, what do I got to do to share the space? And they said, well, you got to cuff it up. And he did. And one time, he tells us the story, he said, one time this guy came and didn't pay him. He just took the food and walked away. And he said, well, let me see if this whole protection situation works. So he went over to the cholos. They were all hanging out. Cholos would just kick it in the corner, you know? So he told the guys... He said, hey, yo, that dude just walked away without paying me. They went. They made that guy known not to mess with my dad, you know? For real. For real. So then my dad said, oh, I guess rent does work. All right. So he felt safe. Uh, that only lasted a few months. And then he opened the restaurant that was right on the same corner. And cholos were always welcome. Excellent. So I only ask about the meals of your early childhood. My first question for you is, Share these standout items from your dad's street vending days and what do you remember helping him prep? Take us right into the kitchen. So, Clayuda, there's a base. It is a corn tortilla that is made in Oaxaca. Clayuda has been around for over 27 years. To this day, the Clayudas are still made in Oaxaca. We still ship them in. We import Clayudas once a week. This is what people eat. When you come to my restaurant and eat a Clayuda, it is made in Oaxaca. So it is a tortilla that's about, I would say, 14 inches. Then the first layer that goes on top of it is called asiento, which we make also from scratch at the restaurant because you can't really just go to the store and buy asiento, right? Unless you're in Oaxaca. So asiento is, we cook pork skin over 12 hours and we cook it down, we cook it down, cook it down, cook it down. And then you are left with this beautiful, crunchy, delicious, nutritious paste that you then layer onto the clayuda, which brings that nuttiness and fatness too and then on top of that we do a black bean paste now the black bean paste has made in a very specific way right you cook first your frijoles with a pasote onion garlic after they've been cooked you blend those with toasted avocado leaf and toasted chiles de arbol once that's been blended completely then we cook it down until the consistency of a paste once that is done, then you layer that into the second part of the clayuda. So those are like the base layer is this beautiful, fatty, aromatic, with a very light, almost invisible kick of spice because of the chiles de árbol. And then you top it with queso fresco, which is very just Mexican cheese that we buy. We don't make our own queso fresco. Then we top it with cabbage, shredded cabbage, Oaxaca cheese. Then you put that over the grill and then you top it with the three meats that we have that we also make in-house, which is our chorizo uh, made of Oaxaca spices that we make from zero. We have our cecina, which is a very thin cut of pork that has been marinated in mm-hmm. guajillo and spices, um, almost like an adobo, per se. And then hortasajo, which is pork ground that has been very, very thinly sliced by hand. We don't use a slicer because it's just, it's like an art form. Salted, cured, and then we grill that. So then you eat that with those three meats on top. And then from there, you you know, you make your variations. That's a very, that's a traditional type of clayuda. I mean, they've been, there's many variations. That's what you were making with, with Pop very early on? Was that what he was selling? Yeah, that, that, no, that's what, that's what dad was doing on the streets himself. Okay. All of that when, stuff when I would dri- Yeah. When I was driving to Santa Barbara with my mom, we were making clayudas. That's number one. So I would make clayudas, empanadas. So for us, em, or empanadas in Oaxaca, so everything in Oaxaca is just is a different name, okay? 
And the rest of the world, Cecina is what Oaxacans call tasajo. We wrap our cheese. We we go against the rules, you know. Mm -hmm. So empanadas, of course, can be regular empanadas. They have to be something else because it's from Oaxaca. So our empanadas are this um, huge handmade tortilla. So these are handmade. They're also about 12 to 14 inches in diameter that you have to make. We had, we had to make a very... A, a custom uh, tortilla press in Oaxaca tortilla presses are huge um, and then I would make those tortillas you, so you cook one side of the tortilla then you flip it over and then on the cook side you add cheese we would add huitlacoche we would add uh, flor de calabaza and then you fold it over in half and it mimics a quesadilla and then everything gets cooked inside flip it over a cu couple times it gets very Everything melts inside, everything gets cooked, and then the empanada is made of corn, almost like a quesadilla, but we, we call them empanadas. Is it sort of that half moon shape? And yes, yes. It's, it's in all essence to make it easier for people for them to imagine it. It's a giant quesadilla. Giant that's quesadilla. Made from yeah, that's And you made also from mentioned, gotcha. And you mentioned a couple of ingredients just to clear up. coche, people call corn musk. And again, we were joking around. You mean around. Oaxacan truffle, Adam? I was about to about? say, I was about to say, we were joking around about things have had like their moment, but it is essentially, yes, people have begun calling it Oaxacan truffle, but it's essentially a fungus that grows on corn and it has that earthiness of a truffle. Mm -hmm. Flor de, uh, Flor de Calabaza, it's, well, the same way people are cooking with zucchini flour, it's a squash mm -hmm. flour, correct? Squash flour, mm-hmm. Squash blossom. Squash blossom. And you talked about epazote earlier. Oh, and epazote is one of my favorite herbs. Describe. Um, epazote is, I would think it's the perfect mixture between a mint, a basil with a touch of oregano all in one leaf. Perfect. I think that's the only thing that I could explain it as. All right, so I want to actually move on because I know obviously that the Galagetza journey began, you know, with your dad doing this. Then you ended up running the family's restaurant for over a decade after your dad retired. He moved back to Oaxaca, correct? Yes, yes, with my siblings. Paulina, my older sister, who is the real boss, I would say she's my boss when I go to the restaurant. <laughs> Fair enough. And my brother, and my brother runs micheladas, and I just kind of, I just swim between the two. You nailed exactly where I was going with it. You had your own touch to the menu, expanding to building out micheladas mix, which I see on the shelves right behind which you. Which I'm going to mail to you. You and better. I hope all of your listeners you order. Yes. I love micheladas.com. Grab a case or two for your, you know, for when your friends come over. Love it. But no, listen, is there a standout dish from Gelagetza from your father's era that sticks out in your mind? And what's the dish you'll never take off the menu? Our menu remains exactly the same as when my dad left it. And here's the reason the menu that we have at Gelagetza today is the way my dad and my mom ate as children. So what we have in our menu are dishes and recipes that are multi-generational. There is such thing as a new dish, right? Now, changes that we've made, right, is presentation, right? Our frijoladas, for example, we, my dad used to um, use certain, you know, just regular tortillas and fold them over and fry them. Now we use handmade tortillas and the enfrijoladas and we use better cheese and can you describe a frijolada for those? Okay, of us? so enfrijoladas are basically enchiladas made out of a bean sauce that we make. Very similar, a very similar technique to that I described with the clayudas, that with the avocado leaf and the chile de árbol. But we just don't cook down the sauce as much as we do for the paste. It just remains in a in a loose way. 
my mouth waters because I love enfrijoladas. Good sign. So then what we do is we have a, a really big tortilla that is handmade. And then we dip the tortilla in this bean sauce. Then we top it with more cheese, onion, parsley. Oaxaca is very big on onion and parsley, on their mole, on beans, on everything. We love onion and parsley because I feel it does add that cut of a spiciness and a little bit of that like sweetness from the onion. A freshness. A freshness, yeah. And that's one of the ones that you'd never touch. Oh, I've never touched any of the recipes. The, the recipes remains the same. And maybe we're said, hey, let's roast the chiles a little bit more, little things like that. Got but it. Where I'm going with this is that Galagetza has been Galagetza since we opened, right? Like what you get in our menu is the essence of Galagetza. And our goal at the restaurant is to transport people there. And for people to visit Oaxaca, miss the food, because I know that once you go to Oaxaca, you're going to miss the food, and then go to the restaurant and relive those moments of you being in someone's home when they fed you the best, whatever that is, find it in my restaurant and relive those moments. Like that is what we want. Now, you personally have accomplished so much. And, you know, I want to segue now into the meals of your biggest moments. You've been a judge and panelist in several food and spirits events discussing authenticity in Mexican cuisine 2013. And the list goes on and on and on. But I got to think... You just follow me around everywhere I go, Adam, and just tell people who I am like that. I like, am. Do you I'll just know? This is Bricia. <laughs> No, but having put out a cookbook myself, I know the labor of love, but the emphasis being labor on that. And I have Mm -hmm. to imagine that your cookbook was one of the biggest things that you've ever tackled. And I I know how much goes into it with the testing, the measurements, the photos, the editing, the what have you. My question for you is, because, you know, it's not just up to us. We have editors and publishers and agents. And my question is, was there a meal in the cookbook that you fought to keep? Or was there a must-have? So we were, we wanted to just, I think we have 120 in total in the book. And I think we ended up with like 135 at the end. Damn. And then we decided, okay, which ones are not going to make the cut? And that was okay. more like, which ones are not going to? And for me, it was more of, um, which ones are the ones that are not telling our, our family story from beginning to end? As opposed, like a story that doesn't connect my father to them, right? Every recipe in the book connects my mother and my father and my my grandma and the the people that came before us all of them they have some sort of story but i didn't have to fight for, yeah i didn't have to fight for any in fact you know what i think that my publisher taught me a lot and you know made me realize that i need to lean in more into like my authenticity we actually were thinking of putting substitutes for things. Say, you know, if you don't if you don't find avocado leaves, you know, you can do this, this, and that. And I think maybe we did a couple of things, but my publisher said, you know what? There was a moment in time where no one knew what soy sauce was. There was a moment in time when you couldn't get certain peppers in stores, and now you can. And what you were doing is creating demand for these things that will eventually exist everywhere, like epazote, avocado, like these things will eventually, and your book will outlive those things. So yes, just, you know, 
just cook from your heart and like show us what your family wants to show the world. And it was, again, you mentioned it earlier, which is one of the things I'm most proud of. It is the first book written about Oaxaca, Oaxaca's food, Oaxaca's history from a Oaxacan family. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was like so mind blowing, right? That it took this long. There's a couple other books before us, but they were written from a different point of view from people who were not born, who were not natives to Oaxaca. And we just wanted to keep it as true to our family as possible. But since this is about the meals that made you, I'm just curious for those of us that were not involved with the process. Could you give us maybe sort of a sneako pico about uh, one of those kind of new agey ones that you were thinking of putting in? So we have this line of mole starters that we sell online in ilovemolestore.com for anyone that's interested. And in our website, we have a lot of recipes that you can create using these starters. And we want to get out of the idea that mole is only able to be enjoyed as mole and chicken and rice. Got it. So we use the paste, the starter as rubs. We use it as a base for vinaigrettes. We use it as a base for, yeah, for rubs to grill or there's so many different I wouldn't say new age. I would just call them our takes on traditional recipes with adding mole shakshuka, like different things that we had. (laughs) But it doesn't really make any sense to have it in a book that's about Oaxaca, right? So that was cut very early on. And those live on our website and they're fun and people love to recreate them. And they have a great fun time in the kitchen recreating new, new flavors and adding that mole level of spice into their everyday meal, which we love. And would you still say it's the ultimately... The one that is like your family's like thumbprint on it, like the boom, you're in the Lopez family right now. I mean, I, I think like if you put us an essence of who we are as people and what I could do every single day on my day of my life, I mean, I would be yeah. happy with a tortilla, frijoles, and salsa and cheese. Perfect. Like that's all. Perfect. Like I'm 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 good with that. Well, what I really love though is especially the way you talk about Oaxaca, the way you talk about the preservation of not only the traditions, but your family's traditions gives me a great segue to talk about the meals of your heart. Now you've said that with time and practice in the kitchen. Um, and allowing yourself the freedom to fail at a few recipes and thrive at others, you come to a place where you create your own sazon, your own mm-hmm. invisible ingredient. Signature. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that everyone sort of, th- that's what they hold in their hand, their own signature flavor. So, Patricia, what's your sazon? A lot of salt. I'm very, I'm very hand- heavy-handed on salt. And I've passed on to my children because my son is just seven and now he will ask for salt for anything. Uh, and we even carry a little salt thing around. I think I have a little extra salt, like little Jacobs. You know the Jacobson salts that he sells? Uh, yes, the I got them upstairs. But you know what that is in essence? I, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, I love roasting anything. Like I love adding that layer of like smokiness to meals. I do it a lot. I think that's just part of my Oaxacan heritage. That's what we do. We smoke everything. We roast everything. And I think that's one of the, an easy step to miss when you're cooking at home that could really make any dish better. Salt is life, man. So salt in the earth. Salt over well, sugar all day. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not reaching in for a cake. I'm not reaching in for cookies. I'm reaching for big vinegar and salt potato chips, Ooh. putting a lot of patio in them, Valentina, whatever red sauce I have, and then just going for it. And that leads me to my next question, which is about the meals of your dreams and the meals of your future. You said that your mission is to bring Oaxaca to the world. 
which is a lofty goal, but you know, I think you really continue to succeed at this. But I want to know what is one meal or one recipe that you want your children to safeguard? You know what's so funny? I, I think we're more we're more protective of our Michelada recipe than we are of everything else. You know, it just became like a thing in our family or our Micheladas really were kind of the thing that people really love. I think that people probably expect for it to be the mole, right? Even my husband would say like, you know, that it, people know you for mole. But I think like if I wanted my kids to, obviously I want, and my kids, it's not that I just want, my kids will learn how to make incredible mole. They have to, <laughs> um, they're a reflection of who I am and, you know, but I think above anything, if my son can go into anyone's kitchen, not just ours, and make a great damn salsa, that to me takes more of a skill than mole because I think you could really impress anyone with an incredible salsa out of like nowhere. So I think like- Is there a just, family recipe? Is there a secret like recipe that you're like, this is your recipe, don't share it. Don't print it, don't I don't this, know. Don't that, I don't other. have, you know what? We don't, I mean, we honestly, the, the, the recipes in the book are my mom's recipes. It took a lot. I took a lot for my mom to come to terms to the fact that her recipes are, were going to be out in the world forever. But I think we're a new generation. I don't I don't believe in gatekeeping. I don't believe in, you know, it only belongs to us and no one else can. I think that the only way that you're going to improve your community and improve your the world and, you know, your yeah, your community at large is by sharing what you know. And for me, I always thought, if people know great food, it's only going to be to my advantage because once you know great food, it's hard to go back. Once you like, once you come to Galleta, it's going to be hard for you to go eat, you know, and other places. And it demands more of people. It demands more of other uh, food makers. And I think that life is too short to have bad meals, man. Excellent. So we always like to leave our listeners with a little bit of a rapid fire segment. Are you ready? I am ready. Always. Listos. I stay ready. All right. Always ready. Never unsteady. Best pizza topping. Am I going to just sound basic by just saying pepperoni? <laughs> no, that's actually the most popular answer so far. <laughs> Moving on. Best vegetable to eat raw. Broccoli. I could eat a whole broccoli bag by myself. Raw. All right. Uh, do you have a favorite cookbook of all time? Oaxaca. Perfect. I'm cooking from the heart of Mexico. <laughs> Favorite condiment? Vinegar. Are you kidding me? Pineapple vinegar on anything would make everything taste better. Best dip for French fries? Ketchup. Favorite fast food item? I'm LA. I'm going to go in and out just like a double-double animal style. I have to. Yeah. Can't beat that with a bet. All right. Favorite kitchen appliance? Oh, my God. My toaster oven. Send this lady a new one, Breville. And what is your favorite song that you like to cook to? I mean, we're going to stay on brand here. Anything that Benito comes out with, Bad Bunny all the way. We need one. Oh, uh, oh, me porto bonito. All right. So here's a special one for you. What is one Mexican food mistake that Americans make? or non-Mexicans make that you want them to stop now? Whether it's the way they eat it, the way they order it, or the way they think about it, what is one Mexican no. food mistake that you would want them to stop now? 
Wow, oh my God. Like pulling up her hair into a bun for this one. She's really putting on her thinking cap. Folks. I want to stop in restaurants, Mexican restaurants. Can we just stop putting like yellow cheese on everything? Just like there's so many Mexican cheeses out there. Can we stop it with the shredded yellow sharp cheddar that whatever it is that, you know, <laughs> like stop. Patricia Lopez, thank you for giving us of your time, of your talent, of your delicious knowledge of this amazing place on this planet. Uh, where can people find you, Bricia? What do you got going on? It's just my name, Bricia Lopez on Instagram at B-R-I-C-I-A Lopez. Um, you know, and I love micheladas on Instagram and at the Gelaguetza on Instagram. I love mole.com. That's where I am. Thank you for joining us for the meals that made me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I want to say to everybody that's listening, thank you for joining us for the meals that made me. I hope you're subscribing to it because after all, we are available everywhere you get your podcast. We hope you enjoyed this amazing career-spanning interview with the great Bricia Lopez and that you are now inspired to dive deeper into the meals of your childhood, your mentors, your travels, and the meals that continue to take you places now and into the future. Join us next time as we talk with a culinary hero of mine, a fellow New York badass who has had an incredible road to great Kwame Onwachi. Until next time, eat mightily and chew carefully. This podcast is produced by First We Feast in collaboration with Complex Networks. Our host is me, Adam Richman. Our executive producers are Chris Schoenberger, Nicola Lynch, and Justin Bolas. Our head of podcast production is Jen Stewart. Our supervising producer is Shiva Bayat. Our senior producer is Jocelyn Aram. Our associate producers are Nina Pollock and Catherine Hernandez. Our production managers are Shamara Rochester and Natasha Bennett. Our recording engineer and sound designer is Andrew Guastella. Thanks to the team at BuzzFeed. For more First We Feast content, head to youtube.com slash firstwefeast or at firstwefeast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. If you enjoy these interviews and you want to hear more, then please drop a five-star review and we... We'll see you next time on The Meals That Made Me.